I brought a prop with me today. I'm going to set it right here. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to get those out. Turn with me to the... Well, you can turn to the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to read a, a little couple verses from Mark here in a minute, but <clears throat> we are in the third week of a, a series on the invitations of, of Jesus. Uh, we had uh, come and see, experience Jesus, and we last week we talked about following Jesus. The next natural step after having an experience of Jesus is to take steps and enter into relationship. And uh, today's invitation, the, the next one from come and follow, the, the, next, the third invitation is let's go fishing. You like fishing? I like, I like that invitation. Kind of clarifies a little bit uh, and defines what it means to come and follow. Um, Mark talks about uh, Jesus' early call to some of the disciples. Mark chapter 1, verse uh, 16 says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Peter, and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. So they left their nets at once and followed him. That's a little short snippet of a story. Jesus is beckoning them to come and follow, and and then he clarifies that, oh, let's go fishing, not for fish that swim in the water, but let's, let's go fish for people. Now, the way Mark presents this, uh, Jesus hasn't done anything yet. So it comes as kind of a surprise that these guys would just drop everything and go. I like how Luke tells the story. He tells the, the same story, I think, but Luke, he adds a little bit more detail to it. So I'd invite you to stand with me as we read this morning's text. It's the Gospel of Luke in chapter 5. Um, before I read that, how many, how many of you have heard the phrase, uh, are you willing to put your money where your mouth is? Have you heard that one? You know, it's kind of calling us into backing up our talk with action, um, the question that I want, you know, if you have your core guide out, you can write this down in a second, but the question that I want you to consider this morning, I'm going to give you the challenge right up front at the very beginning, is are you willing to put your feet where your mouth is? Are you willing to put your feet where your mouth is? And we'll come, we'll come back to that. Here's hear the word of the Lord. This is Luke's gospel. Chapter 5, starting in the first verse. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat, and he taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, 
Go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. I don't know why, or maybe I do know why. Uh, every time I read that story, I, I am just blown away. That, that story is just simply amazing to me. Uh, they land the boats. Jesus has just said, come and follow me. I, you know, I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. And they go. They go. They, they leave their boats. They leave their nets. Mark even said they left their dad in the boat. They left that amazing catch of fish. Fishermen don't do that. Luke says they left everything and just followed after Jesus. I guess maybe that's why it, it blows me away because that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. You know, I, uh, this is one of the stories that I think is instrumental in, in my life. I'd, I brought this for show and tell today. Do we have this uh, on a picture? I think we have this. There we go. That's a little bit close up. Um, this statue, Scott Stearman designed this. It's called The Calling. It's a depiction of the story uh, that I read in Mark and the one in Luke, and there's a version of it in, in Matthew chapter 4, but it's, uh, it's Jesus. He's reaching out to Peter, and, and there's the nets. And um, This is a gift that was given by... Um, Northwest Nazarene University upon my ordination. It's kind of fitting. People called into the ministry. And this sits on my shelf in my office and it reminds me of the times where I've heard, you know, Jesus call out and say, I, I want you to be partners in this thing with me. You know, I kind of joke around because I, don't, I can't figure out, why would you leave everything behind like that? And um, I don't have a, a flip version of that photo, but if I turn this around, I, I figured out why they left everything to follow Jesus. It's because he only has half a boat. <laughs> Made it quite easy to say, well, I don't have a boat anymore. I, 
I can't fish. I, I might as well follow this guy. How many of you like fishing? Any good fish stories? I'm sure that there's lots of good fish stories. Some of them may actually be true. Um, I, I came across a couple of fish stories this week. Um, I see John's here. John and uh, Lance. Well, they were out in a boat. They were fishing one day and cast and reeling it in. Cast and reeling it in. They're not connecting with any fish, regardless of what he says. <laughs> well, you know, partway through the, the morning, they look over, there's a, a funeral procession going by on the shore. And, uh, well, Lance, he, he stands up in the boat, he lays down his fishing rod and takes his hat off and he kind of bows his head a little bit and John's just looking at him like, what are you doing? And, you know, the procession goes all the way by and, and Lance puts his hat back on and picks up his reel and casts out again and and John finally gets the best of him. He said, Lance, what, that was kind of cool and all. What, you know, why that moment of silence? And Lance's like, well, we were married 45 years. <laughs> <laughs> I changed the names. <clears throat> A guy probably told that story. But then there was another one I came across. There, were, there was this mom, and she was talking to her daughter, uh, on her wedding day and just kind of giving her some motherly ad advice on life, marriage, and she said to her daughter, well, you know, if you feed a man a fish, he could probably eat for a whole day. But if you teach a man to fish, you can get a whole weekend out of that. <clears throat> There's lots of good fishing stories out there. You just Google it. and Again, some of them may be true. Uh, I love going out fishing. Uh, it's a way to escape, get out into nature a little bit, uh, in, enjoy God's creation, a little recreational activity. It's, it's wonderful relaxation. And, and, you know, catching fish is the goal. My son Brian, he's like, Dad, I don't like to go fishing. I like to go catching. So we go catching in our house most of the time. <clears throat> but if I don't come home with any fish, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Uh, my life does not depend, my paycheck does not depend on bringing fish home out of the lake. I can go and relax. For Peter and his friends, on the other hand, uh, it was their job. They're commercial fishermen, and, and they had been out on the water all night long on the Sea of Galilee, and they come back into shore, they had nothing to show for it. Zero. Zilch. They got skunked, is the terminology there. No fish equals no paycheck. There's nothing to bring and put out on the beach or the dock for the crowds to come and and buy from them. 
I imagine, you know, after a long night of fishing, I imagine they're tired, they're hungry, they're worn out, they're defeated, they're dejected, kind of like a a sales rep who's gone out cold calling all day long and drags himself back into the office at the end of the day with no new leads. I mean, this work day is... (laughs) It's coming to an end. It's coming to a close, but man, they still got all the cleanup to do and get the nets cleaned out and folded back and put back in the boat. They got to check all their gear out for the next time they're out. It's harder to clean up, finish a day when you get skunked. Well, Peter, he didn't have very far to commute. You know, they had a little lakefront property. He and his in-laws shared a place right there in Capernaum, not more than a stone's throw from from the beach that they're on. You know, maybe his mother-in-law was in there cooking up some hot breakfast for him, only no hot fish this morning. Uh, She wasn't feeling real well a couple days ago, but this guy named Jesus came and he spoke a word to the high fever that she had and healed her disappeared. You can read about that in Luke chapter 4. But they're cleaning up. And uh, Peter and his friends hear the commotion of a crowd just on down the beach. Maybe it's the same crowd who is going to show up and hopefully buy some fish from them. They looked around and and just down the beach a bit, they, they saw Jesus. And word about this Jesus person had, had spread all around. And people were coming from all over the place for healings and for miracles and, and to hear the Word of God preached to them. And this crowd is, is so thick and pressing in on Jesus that, that he just keeps having to take steps backwards. And, and pretty soon the, the water, the, those waves that kind of just roll in up on the shore, they're, they're lapping over his feet and, and maybe getting his ankles. And he's like, I don't, this isn't going to work so well. And everybody can't hear me and, and see me. So Jesus, he catches Peter's eyes. Hey, Pete, you mind if I borrow your boat for a few minutes? Can you, can you come down here and help me out? And I just need to get out a few yards into the water. So Peter comes down, you know, I imagine, folds up all the nets, tosses them in the boat, and shoves out from shore. And there's Jesus preaching to the crowd. And, and right along the, the shoreline in Capernaum, there's these series of little uh, alcoves or these little natural amphitheater kind of things. So if, if you're on the shore and talking to a crowd, your, your voice may carry a little bit, but it's going to get drowned out in the noise of the crowd. And the people at the front may hear you, but the people up in the back, and they just see your mouth moving. But if you get in a boat and you, you go out just a few yards into the water... Jesus was able to utilize that that natural amphitheater. And so he could speak in a more normalized tone and voice, and the whole crowd would hear him because the sound waves just carry a little bit better. So there's there's Jesus. Peter shoves out. Yeah, Peter kind of owed him one. He had Jesus had cured his mother-in-law and and all. And so he goes ahead and and does that and returns the favor. Uh, I, you imagine Peter in this situation? There he is, with maybe the oars, and 
you know, he's got to keep Jesus facing the crowd. You can't have that boat spinning around. So he's probably fiddling with the oars a bit, keeping it steady. Maybe he's fiddling around with his gear, folding up those nets. But he has a different vantage point now. He's in the pulpit. He's up here looking out at the crowd. He sees from a whole different perspective now. Normally, he would be one that maybe was standing in the crowd looking this way, and now Jesus has cleverly invited him into what's going on, and now Peter sees the crowd. He sees their hurt. He sees their longing for hope. He sees how they're paying attention to every word that's coming out of Jesus' mouth. At some point, Jesus finished up uh, the sermon, and uh, after a long morning in the pulpit, uh, Jesus, well, he's ready to relax a bit. Hey, why don't we go fishing? Take us out into the deep water and throw down the nets. I'd love to have me some fish for lunch. Peter, imagine what's going through his mind now. What? This, this is a carpenter, a carpenter's son. This is a preacher, and he's telling me that it's time to fish. Carpenters and preachers, they don't know anything about fishing. I, this is my business. I know about fishing. It's not, it's not the right time to fish, Jesus. The conditions aren't right. Last night was a waste of time. We got nothing. And now, you only fished during the night in, with, uh, with these kind of nets, Jesus. You know, during the day, you don't fish for these fish during the day, Jesus. They can see the net. During the day, they swim out into deeper, cooler waters. You fish for these fish at, at night. It's not the time. But if you say so, we'll do it. Maybe Peter just felt like, well, I, <laughs> I still owe him for that mother-in-law thing. But if you say so, Jesus, I'll, I'll, I'll let down the nets. Carpenters know wood. Preachers know words. Neither of those are going to help us catch any fish. But if you say so. I wonder if he rolled his eyes. You think he rolled his eyes at Jesus? Oh, my. Preacher wants to fish. Miracle catch. Right? Peter is working as fast as he can to get those fish landed in the boat. You've been on a boat with a guy or gal who's caught a fish, and, you know, when you get a fish on, and instead of this, he's got a net that he's just trying to manage and, and pull in and tug, and, and it is full, and imagine those fish flopping around and splashing. I imagine Peter is just excited beyond belief, and, and he's working his tail off. I wonder what Jesus was doing at this time. Luke doesn't tell us what Jesus does. I wonder if he's standing there going, <laughs> I'm the ultimate fish finder right here. Or is Jesus pulling on the net too, trying to get those fish in the boat? But it says that Peter, he's yelling and he's screaming and he's calling out to this other boat because he, he notices the weight of this net is, is pulling his boat down and we got to get another boat out here quick. Otherwise, we're going to lose all of these fish. And so he screams to shore, hey guys, bring out the boat. And they do. 
And that's not even enough to contain all of these fish. Then, right out there in the deep water, Peter is just overwhelmed. Easter Sunday, we talked about the come and see experience. This is a moment for Peter right here, a come and see experience. He comes undone in the presence of the Almighty God. He falls down on his knees before Jesus. He says, go away from me, Lord. I am too much of a sinful man. Literally there, the, the Greek suggests that Peter is literally telling Jesus to move out of my neighborhood, change zip codes, I'm not worthy. You need to move beyond here. See, see for Peter, God has just crossed the line. You, you know that line we draw sometimes? Uh, God, you can have this, but everything on this side of the line is, is mine. We, we draw that line sometimes on our calendar. God, I'm drawing this line right here. On this side over here is Sunday. You can have that. On this side of the line is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, because these are mine. That Sunday over there is yours. Just, you know, don't cross that line. Or maybe sometimes we draw the line, and it's a little boundary line around this book, and, and we say, God, you can have this book, but everything on this side of the line is, is mine. Or, or maybe we draw it in the street, and we draw the line right around the church here, and we say, God, you can have what goes on at the church, but anything outside of this is my life, it's my community, and, and my free time. God has just crossed Peter's line. He has entered into his vocation. Something that Peter was supposed to have the expertise on, the uh, his, his life's study and career and practice has been in catching fish. He would be called the professional. And God invades that space. Has God ever invaded your space? Has God just crossed the line? See, God stepped into Peter's boat and he said, let's take this puppy out into deep waters and let's let down those nets and catch some fish. See, sometimes when God crosses the line. When God invades our space, it's a little awe-inspiring. Sometimes it's just downright scary when God steps into our boat. And we say, go away from us. Go away from us. We're not worthy to be in your presence. But Jesus Jesus invites us into his life. And he uses ordinary people. He uses people who aren't worthy. It's his plan. In fact, it's his only plan to reach people. It's you and me and people like Peter, ordinary people, folk willing to recognize our own limitations people who will recognize that they are, in, that are sinners in need of grace, people who will recognize the transforming presence of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, says Jesus. From now on, from now on, I want you to fish for people. 
Now that's an interesting metaphor, don't you think? Uh, all metaphors break down at some point. Uh, we're not going to artificially lure people with crankbait or gill netting. There's not going to be any filleting and there's not going to be any pan frying. This catching that we're talking about here is designed to give life and freedom. Maybe this analogy will, will help you out a bit. Think about a fish aquarium. Any, any old fish aquarium will do. Uh, there's fish aquariums of all sizes and shapes. Little, you know, little bowls to 5-gallon and 10-gallon. And then there's those big monsters that hold the big tropical fish. How many of you have seen a fish aquarium that's not been tended to for a while? Yeah? Gets a little slimy, a little greenish, whatever that is, algae, cake in the walls, little things hanging off the plants inside. The water gets cloudy and, and murky and dark. I can imagine the oxygen level in that water is probably not real good. And the fish are kind of lethargic. And they just look at you with those eyes like, are you going to do something about this? Can you help me out? So you have the picture of this fish aquarium, right? It's kind of like a prison for fish. Sin does this to our lives. When sin enters into our lives... It's kind of like a murky, slimy, nasty fish aquarium with little oxygen, and it's kind of choking the life out of us. And our fishing for people is like catch-and-release fishing. You ever gone catch-and-release, but you catch the fish? It's recreational in purpose, and you get the fish in, you maybe snap a few selfies with it, and you release the fish back into the water, and it hovers there for a moment, but then the water comes across its gills, and it, it breathes new life, and off it goes. Catch and release fishing. When Jesus invites us to go fishing for people with him, he wants us to catch people in the slimy, mucky, murky waters of the aquarium, and he wants us to release them into the fresh, clean, clear, oxygen-filled great lakes of his kingdom and of his love so they can get, the, get this clear, clean water in and out of their lives and breathes new life into them and whew, off they go into freedom. To catch and release people into this love and into this forgiveness and into this grace and into this life is uh, it's enabling, enabling people to swim like they were made to swim, to experience life to its fullest, how God intended it to be in the first place. This is the kind of word that, that Luke uses for catch. He uses the Greek word, it's a fun little word to say, it's zogreo. You say that? Zogreo. It means to capture something alive or to spare life. Life is spared and there's hope of liberation. Jesus' invitation to, to fish is to gather people and to rescue them from the prison of, of living in a fallen and, and sinful world. So these disciples, you know, it's, it's 
No longer will they sell dead fish for profit. Now they're going to catch people and set them free into new life. So they land the boats. Luke says, Luke says, they left everything and followed Jesus. Period. No questions asked. They didn't even consult with the CPA. Mark even says they left their dad in the Bible. I think I told you that. It blows me away every time I read it. See, when Jesus, after Jesus died and was resurrected, and he appeared to all sorts of folk, just before he ascended into heaven, Matthew 28, the last verses of, of that chapter, we called the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples. Go. It's a command. It's not a call. It's an instruction. Do this. Go make disciples. And if you consider yourself to be a disciple of Jesus, then you're instructed to fish for people as well. Let's go fishing is an invitation that goes to every follower of Jesus. This is the mode by which Jesus is going to change the world one life at a time. And you and me, we, we, get, to be a, we get to participate in it. For Jesus, making disciples came out of the ordinariness of, of everyday life. Come and see, experience. Come and follow. Let's be in relationship. Let's go fishing. Let's talk to other people about this, the things that have changed our lives. It's experiential and relational and participatory. It doesn't end with you. When you discover the gospel and what Jesus can do for you and how he saves you, that's not the end of the story. It keeps going on. The instruction is to pass that out and tell other people about it. See, the multiplication takes place when disciples, followers of Jesus, make more followers of Jesus and share this good news, this love with other people. Let's look at Peter for a second. He has, uh, I was reading this story, he has three, I think, uh, necessary qualities that Jesus is looking for. Well, he's willing to go where Jesus goes. He's, he's willing, at Jesus' command, to go out into the deep waters and drop down the nets. Two, he's humble. He says, I'm not, I'm not worthy. And three, he's fully committed. He's willing to leave everything behind and, and go after Jesus. So this willingness, he, he's willing to drop down the nets. He's go out into the deep waters. Okay, we'll fish some more. It's not time to fish, Jesus. We don't catch these fish during the day. We fish at night. But nevertheless, we'll do it. So everything that Jesus asked him to do it went against what his head and his heart were telling him. I know, <laughs> I've done this before, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Following Jesus out into the deep water might go against what you think that you know. It may go against the grain of culture, or it just may go against what we think of as common sense. Sometimes God takes us into surprising places and really unorthodox ways to stretch us and to teach us. 
Peter was, he was a humble guy. God could use Peter because Peter knew that he really needed God and not the other way around. Sometimes you talk to people or, I mean, there's even churches like this that um, they kind of project the image or the impression that God would really be struggling if it weren't for them. But Peter knows that, no, it's not, God's not successful because of me. Uh, I, I can be humble. And I know that it's not what I do, but it's Christ who lives and works in and through me. And Peter, he was fully committed. He was obedient to go out and to share the good news, to invite others into this come and see experience. See, not, not everybody is asked. Not everybody's asked to leave a successful, lucrative career to become a preacher or a missionary. Although I will tell you, some people are. There may be some someone in this room right now who's considering that. It's not strange or odd. If you want to chat about that, I'd love to. Sometimes the, the call of God or the way that we get rolled into this let's go fishing is through our everyday interaction in our own workplace, in our own neighborhood, in, in our schools. Jesus uses us where we are. to go and to share. It's not an optional part. Paul puts it in the language of obligation. Romans uh, chapter 1, I think it's about verse 14. Paul says, I am obligated to share the gospel with other people. That's true. As a follower of Christ, this isn't, we're not, some people reduce going and sharing this message to, I don't feel called to do that. That's baloney. It's a command. We are all supposed to. We are all obligated to share this good news, the way Christ comes in and changes our life with, with other people. Now, I know. It can be intimidating. It can be nerve-wracking. Uh, your palms might get a little sweaty and your, your heart might pound a, a little bit, but that's okay makes you know you're alive. I know you don't want to appear as, you don't want to appear as the pushy, as the judgmental, as that arrogant person who's walking around with that turn or burn sign. You don't want to bang on people's doors and come across as the one who's wagging a finger or thumping a big Bible in somebody's face. And I would say that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus' way. He's gentle, he's loving, he's welcoming, he's forgiving. He says, come and see. Come walk with me for a while and find out what I'm all about. Sharing Jesus can be really fun. It can bring you a lot of joy. Being there for people in difficult times, speaking words of encouragement into somebody's life, telling them your story, of finding hope. But I don't know enough, Pastor. That's okay. What if they ask me a really hard question? In time, you can provide an answer or find somebody to help you out. Witnesses don't need to know 
a lot of information. Witnesses need to be able to tell their story. You need to be ready to tell people how Jesus has made a difference in your life. Be ready to share with people how you have felt God's presence in your life. Testify to your own experience of, of being forgiven and set free. Tell them how you found hope and joy and peace. Tell them how you think following Jesus has made you a better person, a better spouse, a better dad, a better mom, a better teacher, a better student, a better friend. People ask you a question you don't know, that's okay. One really good way of sharing your faith with people is inviting them to church. It's a fairly easy invitation. Come and see. Well, pastor, I tried that once, and they said, no, I must not be very good at it. Let me ask you a question. When you fish, do you catch a fish on every cast? Don't lie, guys. No, you don't. You have to cast hundreds of times sometimes before you connect with a fish. The average person, it takes being invited seven times before they'll come to church. So be patient, be kind, be persistent, keep asking, that's okay. You know, we want to make this um, as easy as we can. We structure our ministry here uh, to provide an, an open, a welcoming, friendly place where people can come and experience hope and life and love, that they will hear something that may be relevant to where they are in life, a place where they could find forgiveness, a place where they can find uh, the opportunity to make new friends. I mean, the leadership of this church takes that extremely seriously. I pray about it every single day, that we would be a people that would be people who are willing to extend that invitation, come and see and experience, and that we wouldn't just say that, but that we would prepare our place and our hearts and our message specifically for people who aren't already here yet. I thought maybe there'd be an amen. I know you don't want to offend anybody. But fishing for people isn't an optional part of your journey. Do you, do you get the magnitude of this? This is what we call huge. That God invites us to participate in His work in the world. It's the highest invitation offered to any person to participate with God in His work. Can you imagine what this place would be like if every person here, every person that's part of this church, invited and brought one new person every year? Can you imagine that? What if it was two or three people or a whole family? It would be awesome. We'd have to add services. We'd probably have to open new storefronts to, to just to try and contain the message that's uncontainable. Well, I've talked long enough. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back, but I, I did want to revisit that question from the beginning. 
Let me ask you a couple other ones leading up to this. Do you really believe that God loves people? Yeah? Do you really believe that Jesus can save people from their sins? Do you really believe that Jesus is not joking about extending this invitation to other people? Really? I think all of us would nod our heads like this. Yes, we believe that to be the gospel truth. What I want to know is if you'll move your feet. What I want to know is will you put your feet where your mouth is? Will you go? Will you do this? Jesus wants people who will think like him, who will love like Him, who will see like Him, who will teach like Him, who will serve like Him. He wants to revolutionize our hearts so that we can go out and impact the world. You can do this. We can do it together.